1: Welcome to 5,000 to 1, the Athletics Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner. Joining me once again is Leicester City legend, the former captain and my co-host, Matt Elliott. How are you doing, Matt? Very good, Rob. Thank you very much. Hope you're the same. Yeah, and you, mate. I, I hope you're keeping warm because it was absolutely freezing at Stoke at the weekend, and uh, I've only just uh, thawed out, I think, from uh, from that one. But uh, I suppose the win was enough to 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 warm up the Leicester fans listening today. I mean, it was a pretty resounding victory uh, uh, against Stoke, and into the hat for the fourth round of the FA Cup. Just what the doctor ordered.
2: Yeah, it certainly was, wasn't it? And uh, I was actually covering a game at the stadium, the King Power, so I didn't have the. The dubious pleasure of attending the the game at the at 365 stadium as it is these days i believe but uh, yeah I've, I've got a couple of natural extra layers these days so i don't feel the cold <laughs> too much Rob. but <laughs> but yeah it was pretty comprehensive wasn't it they um i, I think the first thing probably worth mentioning is is, is the team selection really yes <laughs> i mean that caught a few people myself included uh, a little bit unawares because not that leicester needed to desperately you know the, in terms of you know the games are not overly condensed at the moment but you would think um all things considered that there would have been certainly more changes and he had the capability to i mean we spoke about it in the, in the last show that he could literally change all 11 really and still have a, a good enough team i believe uh, to go and do the job against the likes of stoke but he went with Madison and Vardy aside, pretty much as strong as it could. And uh, like I say, it, it took a few people at back, probably Stoke as well. <laughs> they probably thought, you know, maybe we've got a sneaky outside chance here. They saw the line up and thought, oh, maybe we're not going to win the FA Cup this year. And uh, so it turned out to be, didn't it? Because I mean, Stoke were pedestrian really, weren't they? I, I, I'm disappointed in them. But uh, Leicester ultimately very efficient, weren't they? Um, and well, we'll go on to mention the details of the game in a minute, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just for those listeners, there was only two changes to the starting line. But I was uh, anticipating more s- similarly to you, uh, Matt. I mean, I did a piece last week looking at Danny Ward's situation at the club. He's been at the yeah, club yeah. two and a half years. He's only made 12 appearances and they paid £12.5 million pounds for him. So it's over a million pounds an appearance at the moment. But Casper Smichael is so important to Leicester and certainly increasingly so under Brendan Rodgers being the captain that he was always going to play, I, I suppose. But I was expecting a few other... Uh, changes. I mean, some of those players have, like James Justin, have played uh, every minute of the Premier League, and uh, Johnny Evans has, yeah. has become so important to them. You you, you wondered whether they were going to risk him uh, with Siunsu coming back as well. But strong lineup. But let's talk about James Justin because um, he played on the left. He played left back this time. We've seen him on the right. We've seen him on the on the outside of a back three. Uh, he, he's so versatile. But one thing I didn't know he had in his locker was the goal that he scored that broke the deadlock <laughs> and set Leicester on the way to the victory. I mean, that was an outstanding strike.
2: He didn't seem that surprised either, did he? As if, uh, you know, he's certainly done it regularly in training. But um, just quickly, on, on, you're talking about, uh, you know, the team selection. I think I think it shows to me that Brendan Rodgers has got one massive trust in, in his, his players themselves, but also... Massive trust in, in the backroom staff and the, the medical department really there because they, they look at everything, don't they? And they must think, you know, the next game is not till this weekend. So there is an opportunity to sort of gather things together. But you thought it might have a little bit of an impact, you know, down the line in February when there's a massive congestion of, of fixtures. And also it's a sign of intent, isn't it? <laughs> Fighting on three fronts in three different competitions. But, you know, he's, he's doing his... His best and his down is to get as far as he can in every one of those. But uh, James Justin, oh, I know, I mean he's yet another player, isn't he, that you know, is developing and rapidly so, uh, in Leicester's ranks. You know, you've got that like Madison and Deedee and Barnes, everyone talks about them and obviously the you know, the, the regulars, you know, Evans and and Vardis, Michael, etc. But there's always someone emerging through, isn't there? And chilwell has been and gone and that that strike it was almost a sort of confirmation of his his confidence in himself and his development isn't it you know he's coming he maybe wouldn't have done that early on but now he's he's got that much belief in himself because he knows he's performed against the highest level of opposition in different positions in different situations and he's never gone under you know he's always performed well uh reacted positively to situations and he must be looking at himself looking over his shoulder thinking I did all right there didn't I? I I genuinely am a top level player and I think you saw that culminate in his strike against Stoke and he'll only go on and get and benefit from that and get better and better but he's, he's not bad as he is now is he?
1: Well I wonder whether he's thinking England Really, I mean, at the moment, I mean, they've had a few, I mean, it looked like um, it was a position that was locked down for England under Gareth Southgate. But certainly there, there's going to be an opportunity there in the future. And he must be thinking if he keeps this form going, if he chips in with a few more strikes like that as well, uh, because we know how uh, modern fullbacks, they've got to be able to attack. They've got to be able to create. They've got to be able to score goals as well. And he's certainly encouraged to get in the box as much as he as he possibly can under Brenda Rogers. He's got an outside chance.
2: Well, he does that naturally. He, he's such a supreme athlete. And uh, again, and I've mentioned it a couple of times when we've been talking about, got to watch him um, for Leicester, ironically, against Luton, his old club. But you're right up close and personal against the, uh, near the pitch there. And he uh, sort of, just cruises, like galloped up and down that right-hand flank as it was on that evening. And I was like instantly struck by that. He just glides into areas and now he's getting that encouragement from his manager you know get forward supply ammunition even get on the end of ammunition as well you know he's in and around the penalty box and uh, it suits him he's more than happy with that isn't he? he's not one who says well hang on am i going to get back and defend he's got the physical capability for that he'll probably be having a little word as he did on saturday with his manager and say listen you couldn't play me left back could you because there's too many on the right side for england and uh, he switched with castagna didn't he and uh, because on the face of it i say there's only but there's only Chilwell to go up against isn't there sure to a to a level and people are comparing him and and Chilwell at the moment aren't they even I've, i've heard some Chelsea supporters thinking, hang on a minute, we maybe got the wrong fullback here. Not that Ben's not doing well, but um, James Justin, they, they look at him and think maybe he's got some different qualities that might be uh, might be well utilised on the national arena. But uh, listen, if he carries on as he is, he's got to have every chance. That's for sure.
1: Well, it's that versatility that really puts him in the frame, isn't it? Because obviously, if you go to a tournament, a player that uh, can play numerous positions is worth his weight in goal. But let's talk about another versatile player, Jose Perez. Now, Jose, <laughs> now what I expected with Jamie out, we knew Jamie was going to be missing because uh, Brendan said in the pre-match press conference. But we expected in and Nacho. I would have thought to have started as the number nine, but no, it was Jose Perez, and I thought what an excellent display. I know a few yeah. people on social media. I've said they, he struggled to get into the game, but I thought he was very much involved in linking play. He was dropping deep. He's not a Vardy. He never is going to be a Vardy. It's going to run him behind stretch uh, defences. And But he's so intelligent in the way he drops in. And as long as he's got runners running past him, like Harvey Barnes and people breaking the lines like Dennis Pratt, then he he's so effective in that role. It's almost like a Roberto Firmino type role at Liverpool for for when Jose uh, plays as number nine. It certainly does give Brendan uh, a different option.
2: Yeah, it does. It does, and I think uh, he's probably become a little bit frustrated with, with Kaleci and Um Is another option. You know, they're different players, aren't they, Perez and Acho, But I think, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not saying his, his opportunities uh, are done and dusted, but I think he, he was with Jamie Vardy not being available. Brendan Rodgers has has obviously considered, you know, okay. What else can I do? Uh, when I first saw the lineup, I thought even Harvey Barnes might be centre forward because he's he's been employed there, I think, in an FA Cup game. I'm not sure if it was last season or season before. Um he's capable of that as well. I don't think it comes naturally to him. But more orthodox choice. Jose Perry is I Perez, I mean you know, he forged his reputation as, as a striker, didn't he, really? Certainly in this country, or a forward, central forward player, shall we say, at Newcastle. But, yeah, he's not dynamic, and he's not one to fight the life out of opposition defenders, but he's got a cleverness about his play, haven't you? And I, I see what you're saying about the Firmino um, comparison, because, yeah, he, he picks up good positions. When he's on song, on form... You know he's a delight to watch, and he's got a lovely touch. He's got good vision and awareness, um, and on his, again on his day, uh, talk about frustration with Inacio. You must, I'd be frustrated if I was iose Perez, Certainly if I was his coach, because I think he's a good finisher, but it's just the regularity of, of his execution is not there. Like, you know, he can finish with, with some delightful. Um, Touches and you know little clips around the keeper it leads a little bit of loft and placement, etc. But then, you know, golden opportunity is wasted with a little bit of a weak finish or a little bit lazy. It it comes across as so. But I mean, he's he's, he's no young lad anymore, is he? You know, he should be sort of learning that aspect of his game. But playing in that central role at the weekend, i with you. A little bit like Leicester's performance. The longer the game went on, the better he got. And the better the Leicester got, he just sort of helped pick holes in Stoke, didn't he? At times, and um, obviously finished his goal well. I mean, that was typical Leicester goal, wasn't it? He? He played across Dennis Pratt, Castagne. The right fullback is in a centre forward position, just helps it along. Perez takes his time and slots it away coolly, like a, any good striker would. And you know, he looks the part, doesn't he? On occasion, but uh, yeah, I, I think certainly right now is a better option than in that show.
1: I certainly think he's, he's better down the middle as well. I know he's played as the uh, inverted wide man on the right uh, uh, most of his Leicester career under Brendan Rodgers, but uh, certainly when he's around that central area, I think he, he's a lot more... Um, Effective. But let's move on to another goal scorer, uh, a rare goal scorer, Mark Brighton First goal in two years for Leicester City. Now, the interesting thing about Mark for me is whenever people th- write him off, and, and I uh, s- certainly think sometimes, well, perhaps you know, when he's out the team and he's not getting a game, you think, well, is that his uh, race run uh, for, for Leicester City? He comes back. He is a fighter, isn't he? He's got a great attitude and he's got back into the side under Brendan, playing in that advanced wide right role. Now the one aspect of his game that he admits himself that he has to improve <laughs> is his is his final ball and goals. He's got to add goals but he took his goal ever so well and uh Brendan's referred to him as his soldier but because his defensive work and his running his willingness is is uh, unquestionable but um, when he starts adding goals like that you know he, he is a top top player
2: yeah it's you know, when mark's scoring goals uh, you know things are going well for you don't you it's funny isn't it some players like he can deliver a ball as well as anyone uh, in in that squad but we, he's got a decent strike on him but he doesn't get too many opportunities on his right foot he has to cut inside as he did at the weekend but it was a little bit closer range than normal and he got enough on it didn't he I think the keeper will be slightly disappointed in truth but it was a decent enough finish but it's good to see from Lester's point of view You know, now the goals are being shared around and Perez Barnes Madison Tillemans but yeah Michael Brighton I think more often than not it comes down to a choice between himself and Perez doesn't it who's more often not been forced out in that wide forward role Uh, I agree with you by the way I think you know he's more suited centrally not going to get the opportunities Perez this is but because of Vardy he's going to be limited isn't it Um, but I mean possibly in that number 10 role as well you know if other players are not available but
1: he's played there at Newcastle uh, as a yeah. number 10 he played behind Solomon Rondon and, and apparently according to the uh, guys that cover Newcastle for the Athletic he was most effective in that role as a number 10 playing off Rondon uh, so yeah. perhaps that's uh, I mean obviously you've got Madison probably one of the best number 10s in uh, in the Premier League at the moment well there's uh, your
2: problem yeah 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 but, well, it's a great I mean, problem yeah exactly yeah, exactly good problems all over the pitch isn't it you know centre half the fullbacks there's competition for places certainly for Brighton quite rightly is uh, is keeping his place regularly in the big games and he he, he gives reliability doesn't he to the manager he you know, talks about tagging him with that name you know the soldier um, but he's he's got a little bit of the cavalier as well he's got a little bit of flair about him as well in terms of he often goes Often goes unnoticed, really. It doesn't necessarily spectacular, but he's integral to a lot of Leicester's play. You know, quite regularly, his link ups with Vardy that you've mentioned before, you know, crucial in in, in away games regularly, and uh, and obviously his delivery. And hopefully, he's on a goal scoring run now. Well, I think that the, the issue with Albrighton is he's so selfless. He sacrifices
1: those sort of um, moments of personal glory um, for the greater good. And he's done that throughout his career, certainly at Leicester City. Uh, he doesn't get into the box very often. Uh, we talk about, you know, his, his lack of goals. It's because he doesn't get himself into those situations very often. He, he tends to provide the width, stays outside, try to be the supply line rather than be the, the end product. And um, But if he could just Balance that up a little bit and get in the box more. There'll be more goals for him to come. This episode is supported
0: by FX's Welcome to Wrexham.
1: One uh, negative from the afternoon was another injury. Uh, Dennis Pratt limping off uh, towards the end, racing onto a through ball. Looked like he had another chance at a, at a fifth goal and pulled up, limped. I, I suppose the only good sign was really he was able to walk back down the tunnel. Because uh, when they're really bad hamstrings, when they go really bad, then it's a stretcher job, isn't it? But um, So hopefully, fingers crossed, that won't be too bad. But another injury. Just when you think... Everybody's getting back and it's all starting to clear up. We've got Ricardo not far away now. Soyunsu was back, came on as well uh, at Stoke. Um, you pick up another one. It's a shame, but it's the way the way the season is, isn't it? It was so condensed with all the games.
2: Yeah, although, I mean, you look at you know, Dennis Pratt's uh, situation there. I mean, he hasn't had an overload of games, has he? You know, he's been involved, his fair share um, throughout the course of the season, and he's done reasonably well the majority of the time but and someone like him as well you know he's a good athlete isn't he and you know it's all-round fitness about his game and you know, and it's he's solid and you, you think you know with, with the lack of game time that he's had really um that he would be okay but no it, it's caught him out there hasn't it i think i think he, he typified lester a bit on saturday as well i think you know the better longer the game went on the better he got because it sometimes frustrates me because I think there's a really good player waiting to get out. And there's, a, there's an element of sort of jack-of-all-trades, master of none sometimes. But maybe that's because he has to play in a variety of positions. But I think he's someone who, who's just waiting to really click. And he was involved, obviously, in Perez's goal, which gave him a boost. But then this typified his time at Leicester a little bit, isn't it? He's there and he thinks... You know, he's just been maybe gaining a bit of confidence and pleased with himself, and suddenly, pink that goes. And then, it, you know, seemingly he's going to be out for, I don't know, a couple of weeks or so, maybe. Uh, hopefully not too long. But I mean, he just got caught out. The ball seemed to sort of, like, bump up off the pitch a bit, and he tried to react to it, maybe. You know, just trying to lift his leg up that extra bit at pace to control it, and it seemed to tweak then, didn't it? But, yeah, big disappointment for him. But I, I, in all honesty, I, I think Leicester, as long as it's not too long... Uh, an injury, I, I think. Uh, I think Leicester will be able to cope with it in the short term. Um, you know, with, with the quality that they've got in the squad.
1: Well, it certainly will will come into or be factored into the their thinking around the transfer window. Now, Brendan's been uh, fairly consistent about um, the fact that Leicester won't be looking to do much business, but there was a little slight change in the message in the pre-match press conference uh, last week before the Stoke game when he was uh, when he revealed about Hamza Chowdhury not not only Hamza Chowdhury possibly going out on loan, although he said that wasn't ideal, that wasn't his preferred option, it was the, to sell Hamza. And I know we discussed Hamza quite a lot in the last podcast, but what I wonder whether Dennis Pratt's injury now might force a rethink there, but interesting that he's looking to do business. He said, and, and if there are some outgoings, they'll discuss whether they can bring somebody in to replace them. Now there is one possible outgoing that's looking edging closer and that's Islam Slomani, the longest uh, transfer saga ever I can remember. <laughs> I mean he seems to be uh, you know linked here there and everywhere going out of the club for the last 3 years. Looks like Leon are going to sign him or uh, take him on uh, for the rest of the season. Well, i just imagine with a view to a permanent as well because he's coming to the end of his deal but uh, so Slomani to Leon. um that's been going on for such
2: a long time now hasn't it well yeah I mean it seems incredible that he's still at the club isn't it um been a bit of a saga hasn't it never really worked from the off although he had little patches didn't he where he was effective and uh, sort of rerun of gold he got against Liverpool I think it was which I totally forgot about which was a wonderful strike in his early days at Leicester but yeah, it's been a strange old affair, hasn't it? And uh, I'm sure he's going to jump at the chance to go to it if, uh, if the deal works for him. A beautiful place. I've been over there myself in times gone by. And uh, not a bad place to live, not a bad place to work either. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there were rumours a while ago about him going over to China and various other places, weren't there? But surely for his for his own benefit, his own good, as well as probably everyone else's, he needs to make that move, doesn't he? I mean, I don't know if he's been sort of sticking around for financial reasons or what.
1: Oh, yeah, the, the, the main problem has been the contract he's on at Leicester is so good that yeah. nobody else could match that. So he's not going to get those earnings anywhere else. So he's going to sit and and, and take those earnings uh, as best as he can. And he's coming towards the end of his career. He's in his early 30s now. So I imagine that's been the the, the big issue. Uh, just switching it back to Hamza, though, were you surprised to hear that, uh, that Brendan saying he's open to a, a permanent deal? Yeah,
2: yeah, to a degree. I mean, we spoke last week, didn't we? Seeing, expecting that okay, Hamza was sort of on the periphery of things. Maybe you know, a little loan period with with the ability to or facility to be able to call him back if necessary. Maybe you know, it's a little bit of a um, no, not a kick up the backside for Hamza, but it's, it's certainly a little bit of a warning for him. You know, really sort of knuckle down a little bit. Although I think Brendan Rodgers. It might maybe have come across the wrong way because I, I think he likes Hamza. I think he likes Hamza as a, a character. I remember the pre season of last campaign and Cambridge, it was, I think, and speaking to Brendan Rogers, and he had a little glint in his eye when he was speaking about Hamza. I think cause he, he's, he's a likable personality, is Chowdhury. And uh, I think Brendan's got his best interests at heart. So um, I think he'll be treated well, Hamza. But uh, yeah, it's. It's just a sign of the times. Leicester have got an abundance of quality players, I suppose. How do you accommodate all of them? But uh, I'm sure Hamza will be looking to stay at the club as long as he can if he gets a choice in the situation.
1: I wonder whether you're right there about it being just a shot across his bowels to knuckle down, really, because I can't see many clubs being able to spend money in this January transfer window. The the COVID situation is impacting everywhere. And I think... Probably the reality is for for Leicester having spent hundred million pounds on a new training ground and and having no match day revenue that Brendan might have to sell to buy. He might have to generate his own uh, transfer kitty i know the club will try and support him if he really needs something desperately and i'm sure they would find the finances to do that but i i think wonder whether he's thinking if hamza goes for, say i don't know 10 million pounds yeah. uh he can reinvest that himself but i can't see anybody paying 10 million pounds
2: it's going to be interesting isn't it i mean it's been pretty quiet hasn't it the january transfer window and uh and be very interested to see what happens at the end of the season isn't it yeah I i don't think you're certainly going to get the levels that you have done previously even with the the big hitters out there everyone's gonna to have to be a little bit more prudent aren't they for one reason or another but um yeah it brings a different challenge doesn't it but I mean, leicester's recruitment policy has by and large been been pretty positive though has not it so uh they'll be confident they can fare better than most
0: looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone
1: Another uh, area that they're probably be looking at as well is in attack with, because um, we're looking at the bench on Saturday, and there was only Colchester in that show of a, of a yeah. forward on that bench. It was a very defensive bench. Because he didn't have any options under, has got an ankle issue. Hopefully he won't be out for, for too long. Damari Gray is so far out of the picture now. I mean, I should imagine Damari will be heading out somewhere. Although Brendan said afterwards there has been no actual offers, but there has been inquiries. There has been interest in Damari Gray, whose contract expires at the end of this season, and he's refused to sign a new one because he wants uh, more regular first-team football. Um, but it does raise the question, are they a little bit light in attack?
2: If, if anywhere needs reinforcing, it is in the uh, attacking areas, isn't it? I think, uh, you know, Perez being flexible and adaptable, as he showed at the weekend, is, you know, is a little bit of a bonus. We knew that already, but, you know, it brings, it gives an extra option for Brendan Rogers, doesn't it? And, yeah, a, a little bit like because Unders hasn't quite sort of clicked just yet, has he? And a little bit stop start, isn't it? Now another little niggling injury and, he's feeling his way so he can't be sort of relied upon at uh, the top end premier premier level at this moment in time similarly with kolechi i think yeah you know, brendan's reluctant to start him they are not threadbare but they are a little bit thin on genuine quality there aren't they we've spoken before about you know someone who can play central but also wide effectively there aren't too many players like that you know who are going to become available because they're they're much valued but uh having said that strikers have you know had to learn to become a little bit more adaptable really because you know it's changed hasn't it sometimes you're you're not always asked to play as that out and out striker they have to be well across between a wide man and and a forward, don't they? At times as well, be flexible in you know, in a front three, which is regularly played these days. So, I'm sure they'll be scouting far and wide to look for options. Because I mean, just say Demari Gray, basically again, it looks a bit of a financial situation, and you know, there's probably part of Brendan Rodgers thinks, well, maybe maybe that that wouldn't be such a bad thing every now and then to have Damari available. But I think that, that that situation's done and dusted now, isn't it? He got. To, he got a surprising outing against Crystal Palace, didn't he? And I think that's probably the final nail in the coffin as yeah. far as Grey's concerned. But yeah, it's if not this window, I think perhaps at the end of the season, that's the one area that needs to be looked at.
1: Absolutely. Um, well, COVID obviously still having a massive impact, not just on the finances of football clubs like Leicester City, but on the game in general. And so far, football has been able to, get, to carry on, even though we're now back in another national lockdown with further... Restrictions possibly going to be imposed very shortly on everyday life, uh, and it's been raised several times. Uh, Steve Bruce, uh, the Newcastle manager, has raised it. I heard Gary Rowett uh, raise it as well, uh, talking about whether we need to have a pause in football. It, with everything that's going on, and the infection rates soar into record levels, is it now time for the game just to take a break for a while until the infection levels? come down because we are starting to see numbers of infections within in, in camps training grounds being shut down fixtures being cancelled uh, we understand Aston Villa's game against Tottenham is now off uh, later this week because of their outbreak at Aston Villa and Fulham look like they're stepping in rearranging the fixtures do you think now we need to just have a little break or or is it for the greater good of of society to have some sort of escapism through football, the role that it plays in lifting people's spirits, should they carry on
2: regardless? Well, I don't think they should carry on regardless, no. I think uh, yeah, that is a factor to consider, isn't it? But from a health point of view, there's going to be governmental guidance, aren't there? You know, if it gets to a certain phase, but probably before that point, you know, decisions should be maybe made by the governing bodies concerned but if it starts to affect the credibility of the of the tournament or the competition then you know that then it does become a little bit farcical just in you know in the sense of the football itself not even looking at the health aspect of it you know winning the competitions partaking in the competitions means a little bit less doesn't it if if teams can't fill the full strength team and they've got a Got to play the fixtures out or games are cancelled and people's appetite for the game is, you know, is gonna gonna drift and I think I think it's always been a danger, hasn't it? You know, it's been lurking in the background. People have been hoping that it's not gonna happen and wishing for the best and, and thinking, Oh, yeah, we're out of it here, we've out of the worst point and the football can continue. But you've got to be realistic, haven't we? Now I certainly in my mind, if it gets any worse, it affects the sort of genuineness of the competition. And obviously, health-wise, it's going to be a massive issue, isn't it? I think certain teams haven't been able to field a first eleven, have they? <laughs> They've had the kids kids out. We've seen yeah. it happen a number of times in the FA Cup over the weekend. Teams are doing all they can. They'll be desperate to keep it on, won't they? But I don't think they should do it recklessly. You don't want to get the a situation where it gets cancelled totally and all this effort has been relatively worthless. But if they have a break, though, Rob, how long can they have a break for? What with the Euros supposedly meant to be coming up in the summer. How long would they be able to get away with it for? I don't
1: know. It's absolutely, I mean, there, there's so much to factor in really with in, in terms of schedules, but I suppose ultimately it's the uh, safety of the people involved in the game that uh, is of paramount importance. Yeah. And I, I think once it starts becoming a, an even greater risk to, to health and to the infection levels uh, spreading, then they might have to make a, a decision at the, with the strict, stringent, Testing that is being done at Premier League clubs, um, you hope that they can try keep a lid on it for a while. But um, this FA week was would have been interesting, yeah. You know, certainly with Premier League sides going up against uh, lower league teams that will not being such a regular basis because uh, of the, the the of that. So uh, it's going to be interesting what sort of impacts we have over the next week or so. Hopefully none. But um, it's, it's strange times, Matt. It is strange times, isn't it? Yeah,
2: it, it'll be interesting to see, Rob. If it's a the government who make any sort of decision or doubtfully the the Premier League themselves who might say, listen, this is not working properly. You know, like I say, sort of affecting the validity of the competition or the reputation of it even, but, or will the government consider it an out and out health issue and and lock on it themselves? Hopefully that point doesn't come, but I don't think it's too far away, unfortunately. No, well, Matt,
1: you stay safe. All our listeners out there, please stay safe as well. Uh, Keep checking back on The Athletic as well. We'll try and keep you entertained during these dark times and uh, we'll be back as well with another edition of 5001. Hopefully, we still have plenty of football to talk about. Thank you, Matt. We'll see you again next week.
2: Cheers, Rob. Pleasure as always. Take
1: care. Cheers. The Athletic.